This episode is sponsored by Echo. Hear clearly, care confidently. Learn more at echohealth.com. That's E-K-O health.com. And use code JSP for $50 off any stethoscope. Just Some Podcast Media. The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another fun and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is Ben, and I am here with my special co-host, Kevin, from Art of Emergency Nursing and How Not to Kill Your Patient. Kevin, why don't you tell everybody hi? Hey, everybody. I'm Kevin McFarland. Super excited to be here. I have big shoes to fill uh, for the, the missing Tom today. But I'm super excited and honored to be here. Not only are they big shoes, but they're often angry shoes. I will channel my inner Tom and and try to be a little bit little bit more angry than I usually am. And you know, I don't know. He he's not very sweary. I'm a little more sweary than he is. Oh well, that's just because we edited him out pretty well. So, you know. <laughs> but yeah, obviously if you're listening to the show, you notice that you're not hearing the melodious tones of Tom. And that is because uh, you know, he uh, took the week off. He is actually out doing hair implants on cows that have alopecia. And I was like, Tom, you know, I really don't think that cows need to pays, but I mean, Kevin, you know how he is. I mean, once he gets his heart set on something, he just, he has to do it. He's like a dog with a bone or, or a, a cow with a, I don't know. Something. Yeah. With, with a cow, a patty. cow with I don't a toupee. Know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So if you're out there and you're seeing cows with toupees on, that's probably the work of, of, Tom from just some podcasts. So, you know, we, but we do look, look forward to having him uh, back next time. And I'm sure that Kevin is going to do a wonderful job filling his angry shoes. Like we said, like I said, I'll do my best to channel my inner Tom. <laughs> well, man, uh, you know, so normally we start the show with some banter. So how are things going for you? Things are fantastic. It's been a, it's been a little bit busy these last couple of weeks. I've been busier than I want to be, but I've, I've had a blast. I, I you know, the, the, good thing about liking what you do is it makes it easy to do it. And sometimes to our detriment, I think I work a little bit too much, but it's because I love what I do. No, I get, I completely get that. And, you know, as we are talking off air, it's August. And uh, so that is back to school time. And so, you know, the office is absolutely swamped with, you know, kids needing to get vaccinations and getting their well child exams. And then of course you have all your bus drivers exams and stuff. So it has just been absolutely packed at the office. I bet back to school is probably a busy time for you for, for, for a lot of nurse practitioners. It is, especially if you're in family practice. And then, you know, you'll see a little bit of a decline for, you know, about three weeks after school starts. And then all the little germ factories, um, you know, the schools, um, you know, the kids will start sharing germs again and then we'll start seeing it. Right. Yeah. Right back, right back up again. Yep. Well, uh, so normally, you know, we do our social media shout outs. So you can find us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Just Some Podcast. Our website's www.justsomepodcast.com. Uh, you can email us and tell us if you see one of those cows with a toupee 
JSP at justinpodcast.com. Kevin, where can they find you at, man? Easiest place to find me uh, on all the social media channels at Art of Emergency Nursing. It's the easiest place to find me. I have two podcasts, uh, Art of Emergency Nursing and the How Not to Kill Your Patient podcast. That one's a little bit more clinical. Art of Emergency Nursing is just kind of telling stories and, and nurses telling nursing stories. Which, I mean, definitely makes sense. And nurses always have some good stories. And they're both great podcasts. Always, always the best stories for sure. So, and of course, you know, if you want to help out our show, you can, uh, you know, give us ratings, reviews that helps drive us up the algorithms. And we do have that Amazon link on our website. If you click on that and then do go do all your shopping, um, it kicks a little bit of proceeds back to the show. It's a great idea. Well, Kevin, you know, we're talking a little bit about, uh, you know, kids going back to school and in a few weeks, how things are going to you know, start seeing some more illness. And so that kind of ties nicely. Look at that segue. Uh, that ties nicely into our story that you may have missed. And I actually got this story in my email this morning. And so I, it, it was just very fitting that uh, we were going to talk about this. So antimicrobial resistance is linked to 569,000 deaths within the Americas in 2019. So they're saying that 569,000 deaths were linked to bacterial antimicrobial resistance in 35 countries of the WHO region of the Americas. And this was published in a new peer review paper published in the Lancet Regional Health for the Americas. The analysis is on the burden of AMR in the Americas is the most comprehensive yet for the region providing data for 35 countries, 23 bacterial pathogens, and 88 pathogen drug combinations. Now, what they're saying is that the study estimated that more than two of every five deaths that involved infection in the Americas was associated with AMR. That's 11.5% of the global deaths associated with AMR. And the four AMR-related infection syndromes causing the most fatalities within the Americas region, uh, bacterial respiratory infections caused 293,000 deaths, bloodstream infections or sepsis, 266,000 deaths, intra-abdominal infections, 181,000 deaths, and urinary tract infections for 80,000 deaths. Interesting. I wouldn't have think, I would, I guess I wouldn't have thought, I thought sepsis would be higher. I, I would have too. Tomato, tomato. I mean, you, you end up with a respiratory infection, then, you know, sepsis is right around the corner, right? And I didn't get, you know, obviously the breakdown of the study, but it may have just been looking at the uh, and the initial cause of death. So if you started with a pneumonia that then turned septic, technically would it be considered a bacterial infection, you know, respiratory infection? Yeah. So five of the most deadliest pathogens that were seen, uh, Staphylococcus, um, E. coli, uh, Chibicella, Streptococcus, and Pseudomonas were some of the top five. So, um, Kevin, you know, with your time in ER and, of course, my time in family practice, you know, one of the things that we've really been hounding on lately is anti, uh, you know, using antibiotics um, judiciously. So what are some of your thoughts on that, man? That's probably one of the hardest things because when people come to the emergency department, when people come to the to see you as a nurse practitioner, they want answers and they want a medicine. They want something, right? So they're not feeling good. And you, you know, if you're saying, hey, just kind of ride this out, you're going to be okay. This doesn't necessarily need antibiotics. They really have set in their mind that they need those antibiotics. Yeah, and I think, and this may just be my naiveness as, you know, I haven't worked ER for several years now, you know, you, you have the ability to pull a CBC so you can look at that white count and say, hey, no, you know, your white count is 
seven. This is clearly not a bacterial infection. And, and so you do have that recourse to, you know, try to prevent overuse of antibiotics. And I will say, I think in family practice, the first couple of years I was out, it was really hard because like you said, it's, it's we're a pill-based society and they want a pill to feel better. And I think now that I have been out in practice for several years and I have patients who have established with me for years and years, they trust my judgment more. They have that rapport. And so I can say, hey, you know what? This looks viral. And they're going to be like, you know, okay, we'll, we'll wait it out. Yeah. 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 Let's see. That's the important thing about having a primary care doc that you can actually establish that relationship with. Oftentimes in the emergency department, I mean, there are some people who I think think the emergency department is their primary care doctor. But for the most part, you know, we're, you know, we're typically seeing people, you know, one-off, one-off kind of thing. Oftentimes we don't build those relationships. So they very well may turn around and go from our emergency department to another emergency department because they didn't get the answer they they were looking for. Yeah, yeah. So if you're out there in practice, you know, judiciously use those antibiotics, but because antibiotic resistance is going to be a real thing and it's going to just continue to get worse, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. They're working on built bigger and better antibiotics, and then we just overuse those as well. Yeah, and then you know the the pathogens are becoming bigger and better and resistant and. Just causing all kinds of all kinds of havoc. So, yep. Well, Kevin, let's take a break here, and then on the other side, we'll get into our main topic and and why we wanted to have you on the show. And I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. I can't wait. Hey guys, it's Ben from Just Some Podcast. Make sure that you are checking out that Echo Core Digital Stethoscope. That thing is amazing. It has forty time amplification. It has noise cancellation. It Bluetooth to your phone, and even the app now detects AFib as well. So, this truly is the future of auscultation, and is a game-changing piece of equipment. Like Tom and I tell you every single week. You know what? Go check them out. It is EchoHealth.com. EKOHealth.com. Use code JSV gives you fifty dollars off your order. Let them know that we sent you. And while we're talking about things that you should be checking out, go check out CBDStat.care. They have increased the milligrams that their products are while dropping prices and that is just absolutely unheard of in today's economy so go check them out they have the salves they have the rubs they have the drops all kinds of great products tom and i use them as we tell you every single week but go check them out they love their healthcare people you guys cbdstat.care slash healthcare you fill that form out you're gonna get a permanent 40 percent discount because you're in healthcare but they know that some of our listeners aren't in healthcare and they want to help you out too so if you go cbdstat.care put all your stuff in your car put jsp20 is your checkout code that's jsp20 it's going to give you 20 percent off your order just because you're listening to me right now so go check them out cbdstat.care kevin so you have a pretty large social media presence um you know we have one as well it's just some podcast media with with our bevy of podcasts and so that's why we wanted to talk tonight is social media presence and healthcare. So the catalyst for why we're discussing this is a surgeon in Ohio who went by the name of Dr. Roxy on TikTok um, recently had her medical license uh, removed from her 
by the Ohio State Medical Board. They permanently revoked her license. They also um, ordered her to pay $4,500 in fines based, quote, based on her failure to meet the standard of care. I do want to get into the aspects of, of this. Now, she was a plastic surgeon and was noted to live stream procedures. And while doing this was often kind of talking to the camera and while doing procedures such as liposuctions and things of that nature. So, so Kevin, before we get into like kind of the, the meat and potatoes of all that, what are some of your thoughts and, and particularly your social media ways? I, you know, I got to tell you, I think the social media is one place that is a big red flag for, for nurses. I mean, you got to be really careful about what you're putting out there in the world and even when you don't think you're representing your brand, your hospital, your organizations, your profession, those things are, are going to be tied together all the time. You know, uh, my my social media, a lot of my social media says nursing is right there in the title. I try to be very careful about what I post online and try to keep as much separation between what I do and where I do it and the social media that I that I put out there. Kevin and I were kind of talking a little bit pre-show that maybe it's just kind of a different generation thing. You know, for us um, more mature <laughs> healthcare people, I mean, we didn't always have social media. It wasn't channel, channel, channel my inner Tom and say, those damn kids on their TikTok. <laughs> exactly. See, yeah. Now, now I'm feeling like I'm with Tom. So, you now, now you're feeling, now you're trying to make you feel better here. But the reality is, is I mean, the younger generation is social media is their language. You know, it's become so much a part of their every day that they don't even think about it. Like it's it's nothing to to see someone who's doing a video. And I remember I do I do a few videos. I've done quite a few videos on Instagram. And whenever I was wearing something that that showed where I worked, I made sure to take it off. I made sure to you know my badge wasn't showing. I made sure none of that was on there. I didn't want any. I didn't want anyone to tie that. Be able to tie that back to where I work and and what I do. Yeah, and I mean I think at least I know with the place that I'm employed, you know, for the last several years, they've had a social media policy and it's basically, you know, you, and it's not that they don't want you to be able to interact with your friends outside of work. And, but anything that's going to potentially defame them is going to be a violation of policy that is then therefore subject to discipline. Actionable. Yeah. For sure. And I don't mean just hospitals. I mean, I think businesses in general, because of the way the world is now with everything being, I mean, you you have the entire world in your hand at any given point. You know, and so, I mean, I think that all businesses are going to have to enact some sort of policy like that. Now, obviously, with healthcare, we have additional concerns like HIPAA, you know, and patient, you know, patient privacy, patient rights, things of that nature. And that's where a lot of this, the board referenced uh, on, on Dr. Roxy. I think I think one of the things that that if you have a large social media following or if you have any kind of social media following, you are you got to be really careful about what you do. You got to be really careful about what you do and what you say. And there are times, there are times that you know I I I want to post something that's happening at work and I want to post something that's relevant, but then I always remember that like that could be easily tied back to 
this person, this event, this you know family member, this patient, whatever the case may be. And and I always I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm just not going to get myself into that kind of situation. Yeah, no, I I understand. And like that we were kind of talking a little bit beforehand. You know, I will post on my personal social media things like, you know, if our, if the clinic that I work at, if we're having an electrical outage or or phones are down, I will post that. But I don't get into patient specific things. I don't get into anything that is going to be what I consider personally for me. And and this is a very personal decision, an ethical concern or violation. Yeah, I know when when I during. During COVID, when COVID was really hot, I ended up doing a lot of media, particularly for the organization I'm part of. I'm part of a, a, an emergency nursing organization, and I did a lot of media for them. But I remember very specifically going to my boss and saying, hey, you're going to see me on the news today, and this is what I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about our organization. I'm not talking about any specific organization, but I'm just talking about kind of nursing in general. And... Um, yeah, my boss was like, okay, let me just run it through my boss and make sure her boss knew. And I wanted to make sure to be as, as upfront about that as I possibly could because I didn't want there to be any surprises. Um, and the same token, you know, really trying to have a clear separation between where I work and, and you know, the, the organizations that I represent. So, yeah, I mean, and, you know, we, <laughs> there is a little disclaimer at the beginning of our podcast that plays every time, you know, that thoughts and opinions are, are, of the host and the guest and don't represent any organizations that we are employed by or volunteer for. And that's just because again, while we try to maintain, you know, some semblance of anonymity, although I mean, is there truly anonymity in today's world? Probably not. You know, we don't use last names like that and things like that on the show. We don't say specific locations. You still, you know, you have to be cautious with, with things that you say and, and do. One of the things I one of the things that I re- realized pretty early on, I started doing my podcast. And my podcast has my first and last name right on there. It's you know I am I'm the face of the brand. We were doing a Zoom for my organization, and during the organization during the the Zoom, I did you know, I was talking a little bit about the emergency department, and we were recruiting new nurses for the emergency department. And somebody chimed in one of the one of the nursing students we were talking to chimed in and said, "Hey." Kevin, I've heard your podcast. I love your podcast. And the HR rep was like, wait, podcast? Do you have a podcast? And I was like, uh, yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. And just kind of wanted to squash it. And she's like, well, wait, tell us about your podcast. I'm like, no, my, yeah, my podcast is sometimes a little too sweary that I probably don't want that to be tied back to my, you know, my, my date, my employer. Um, yeah, I try to keep it as separate as possible. You just never know. You never know what's going to, what's going to come out. No, I agree with you. So kind of getting back into uh, Dr. Roxy and, and the Ohio uh, Medical Board. So with, with this particular case, it really seemed to be a big part of her brand was, I mean, she was she was doing medical procedures on TikTok. She was you know, giving medical advice, uh, you know, very general medical advice on TikTok. And I, I just think that's something you got to be real, real careful with. No, I agree with you. And so I was actually, uh, you know, I looked at a couple of articles, but then I actually pulled up the, because it's all public record, I pulled it up from the Ohio uh, Medical Board. And so I was actually reading through the 104-page document about this. 
But here's just some of her testimony of different things. Um, says that, I don't know if it's Dr. Graw or Dr. Grawy, but it's, it was, we're going to call it Dr. Roxy because that's what she was known by on, on TikTok. But she disagreed that she was trying to become a social media influencer. Um, she testified that I was setting out to do exactly what I talked about with the education and the empowerment and the demystification. She's talking about of, of plastic surgery. When asked if she agreed that having more followers made her business more trustworthy, she answered maybe. Further, when asked if having a lot of followers makes someone more likely to believe she's a credible surgeon, she replied, they might think that I'm a popular surgeon. I hope that I show that I'm an incredible surgeon by showing my work and the way that I educate my patients. When you know, she was asked about her thoughts as Dr. Roxy as a persona, she testified that she believes she was just being herself. And when asked if the persona led her to make decisions about patient care that she may not have otherwise made, she testified, absolutely not. Uh, like I said, I was portraying myself, and I am that person. I am outgoing and personable to patients. I'm an amazing, hardworking doctor who cares more than any other doctor that I've trained with about how my patients are, how they do. They help with me. I care about their income. I do so many things to provide safety for them. I think that what you're asking about is whether the optics we were talking about. I can see how people, two people, it would look like I was caring more about this or posting a TikTok rather than caring for the patient, but it was never like that. I seen a, a little video of her and, and she's, you know, she's doing a procedure, which I would think would require pretty focused attention. And she's over here looking at the camera, doing her thing and not really paying attention to the patient, but really focusing on the camera, talking about the procedure. And I mean, it's just, it's just ripe for a medic, for, for an error. Yeah. And that's kind of where I think the board kind of sided with, she did testify on, later on that. In some of the live streams, they would have over 300,000 people watching. It's crazy. Here's the other part that I found kind of interesting. When asked if they consider the potential liability of live streaming surgery and something going wrong, she testified, sure. It is a liability, and that's why I felt like I was being the most transparent surgeon that ever existed, because I was showing what I just actually really do and not hiding anything. And so, I mean, clearly the liability got me here. You know, I never, I never would have done that and lost my medical license and my ability to support my family. And I was really just trying to do good and sh so show the surgeries to people. But you got you got to think, and this is always the thing that that makes me wonder: like, does the social media really uh, does that make people think she is a more credible doctor because she's got a social media presence because she does have you know two hundred thousand followers or whatever it was? Um, does that make people think? that you're more credible or more trustworthy or more qualified than maybe you are. And I think it, it kind of does. It like, it makes you wonder like, is social media like the new resume, right? Like is social media give you the new, you know, this is how we, this is how you, you show that, Hey, I'm a good doc. Look what I'm doing. But, but those two things are two very different skill sets. No, I would agree with you. And I think over the years you've seen, and I hate to use the phrase reality TV because, you know, a lot of that is, is scripted. But you've seen this rise of medical-based shows on reality TV. You see Dr. Pimple Popper. You see these shows about podiatrists that are working on, on – and so I think you see that as – it almost normal normalizes it. And that's where I think you can get in trouble for – people who are not Dr. Pimple Popper. Yeah. I think there's risk there. And, you know, there. I remember a long time ago when I worked in the emergency department, many, many years ago, 
uh, that TV show Trauma Life in the ER was a big show, right? Yeah. And they were, it was a reality-based TV show that was being filmed in emergency departments. They're filming actual responses and care of, of people. And it became like the hottest show. It was the hottest show for a minute, you know, when, you know, ER, this was like the real life ER and, and how popular it became. And then just all of a sudden, all the doctors kind of seemed to almost all at once say, you know what, is this really ethical? Are we really doing this in our patient's best interest? Or is this in, you know, maybe the hospital's best interest or the TV channel's best interest? And they really started kind of questioning it. And it went from, it went from that show being like, you know, high ranking TV show to like all of a sudden ERs across the country just stopped letting them film, um, including yeah. the emergency department that I worked in uh, at the time where they filmed, I don't know, two or three episodes. All of a sudden the, the, the doctors were like, nope, they can't, they can't come. We're not going to let them in. I think there's a lot of advantage to be had for people to have the medical knowledge about what's going on behind the scenes. But I think you got to be real, real careful about still doing right by the patient who's in front of you and the patient that you're caring for. No, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think even with the rise in technology as far as like patient portals and transparency to patients, I still get questions from patients, you know, so like my nursing staff will call and say, hey, you know, Ben looked at your labs, they look fine. That's because I'm looking at it. And that's how I tell patients. I mean, I'm not saying anything I haven't said in person to patients. I look at it in the totality of the results. I'm not looking at it as, well, your MCH on your CBC is a tenth of a point low, but in the totality of the hemoglobin, hematocrit, everything else, everything is fine. But when a patient gets that on it, on their portal, they're like, well, he said it was fine, but it's not, this is low. And I, I and I get questions fielded and it's, so I agree with you. I think you ha- there's pulling back that curtain and, and showing what we do can have definite benefits but I do think that you're also going to open it up to increased risks. But uh, how many times do you have people say, well, are you going to draw a CBC and a BMP and a blah, blah, blah? And you're like, well, I am, but yeah, you know those terms. You're familiar with those terms. But do you know what any of that means? And the reality is usually they don't. But you know, having just that little bit of information, people will take that and run with it. People will take that information and just kind of run with it. And you're like going, you know about this much. I know about this much. So it, this is where you, you trust the you trust the experts that are that are caring for you. Now I do, you know, diving back into Dr. Roxy's case, this was not a one-time incident. The board had actually cautioned her about the need to maintain patient privacy on social media in letters sent in October of 2018 and September of 2021. In the second letter, the board secretary recommended that she take remedial education courses about plastic surgery and professionalism and ethics. She did give the board documents that showed that she had completed remedial classes, including ethical social media, in December of 2021, but continued to record videos and live broadcast medical procedures through October of 2022. And then I think here's where I think I don't think the board. I mean, I think the board had issues with broadcasting surgeries and and the the violation of, of concerns for patients' privacy. But then when we started having complications, I think that's when they ultimately were able to tie that in, which led to the revocation of the license. So there were at least three patients who were not named that experienced complications after seeing her for cosmetic surgery. And these were outlined in the suspension notice. Uh, one patient received a Brazilian butt lift, a tummy tuck, and a liposuction. That was in July of 2020. 
The patient saw her again in March of 22 for more cosmetic procedures. And Dr. Uh, Roxy looked at, looked and spoke to the camera while engaged in liposuction on the patient's abdomen. A few days later, after the surgery, the patient was hospitalized and found to have a perforated small bowel and a soft tissue infection. All the evidence the lawyer needs is right there online. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Um, the second patient, December 2020, uh, provided several cosmetic procedures to another patient under anesthesia, including liposuction and Brazilian butt lift. The next day, they went to the emergency room because they were experiencing severe abdominal pain and cramping and had to have several surgeries to her stomach. Uh, the last patient, a third patient in December 21 for a breast augmentation a few days later reported nausea and bleeding from the breast, was treated at the clinic. After the patient reported pain, malaise, and nausea, a nurse practitioner then treated her at the clinic, but the patient had to be hospitalized for tachycardia. At the hospital, she was found to have an infection, which required treatment and removal of the implants. Wow. Now, that's not to say the complications don't happen. I mean, complications happen in family practice, happen in general surgery, happen ERs, happen everywhere. Everywhere. But I think, like you said, when it's broadcast live... And when you are looking at the camera and talking to the camera while you're liposuctioning an abdomen, that's not a good look. 100%. Oftentimes, you, you, know, you, you, see these, you see these people online, and I don't know how many times I've seen like procedures done in real time online. And I'm, I'm, I'm always nervous to see something like that. I would certainly be nervous to record something like that because – I mean, the good, the bad, the ugly, it's all right there. So recording something like that, that, that brings up an interesting question that, that I have for you then. Have you ever had a patient ask if they re- recorded a procedure? Because I have. It's easy to point back to the hospital policy and say, hey, our hospital policy typically has, most hospitals will have a policy that says no video recording in the procedure areas, no video recording in, in patient care areas. Uh, we, I, would, I would not feel comfortable with that request. And I have let, particularly like, because I mean, I don't do a significant amount of procedures. Most of the time it's abscesses, the drainages, things like that, you know, or, or mold removals. The kind, of, um, the kind of cool stuff people want to see on videos anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And so like, do you mind how I record that? And I'm like, and I guess it's partially the way that I think of things anyway. When I walk into a room, even in the back of my head, I just automatically assume that I'm being recorded. I, Not yeah, that I, I am. Yep. But you never know. You know, I mean, like we talked about, you know, you have a cell phone that can record audio or can record video. So I would, I mean, not that I let that impact my care, but I mean, I do keep that in my head that, you know, it it is a potential. So for me, it didn't bother me. But that being said, when I'm doing a procedure, yes, I'm making small talk with the patient, making small talk with the family, and then draining an an abscess. But my focus is still on what I'm doing. And I'm not, I'm not downplaying and talking bad about Dr. Roxy by any means. I wasn't there. I've not actually watched any of the videos. I just felt like it was an interesting conversation to have talking about social media. 100%. I think it's, I think it's something that we're going to see more and more as, as we become more digitally connected to each other and more hospitals are starting to try, still trying to figure out what to do about all this. Right. Cause every time you hear about something like this, you hear about this, you know, hospital system that fires these people because they, you know, had this kind of social media violation. And you're finally you're like, what's you know, what are the parameters? How do we make this work if we're if if at all? So well that and you you do hear stories, unfortunately, you know, nursing students who were, you know, removed from their programs or nurses that were fired or things like that because of, of 
posting inappropriate things on social media, inappropriate being, you know, a patient's face or, or discussing a patient specifically, things of that nature. I think this is also a good time, Kevin, that you know, we may have some new little nurslings or nursing students, uh, nurse practitioner students, PA students, whatever. You're going into a profession. You're going into a career. I stress the word profession in that professional. Before you are out and before you're applying for jobs, clean up your social media, clean up your Facebook. I guarantee no matter where you apply, one of the first things they are going to do is type your name in Facebook and scroll and, and have a scroll. Now, I, I think that's good advice for anybody is to just just Google yourself and see what comes up. Just Google yourself and see what comes up. And and the reason I tell people to do this is not all that long ago, I was on a job interview and I sit down at the job interview and they, you know, they have my resume in front of them. And the first thing she mentioned was something that was on social media. It was all over social media. It was all over um, that I had received this award. And it was an award I received that I, I wasn't on my resume, wasn't on anything. But sure enough, she's like, well, tell me about this. Because I've seen your name associated with this online. And I was like, you rats, you guys Googled me. And but then I, I thought to myself, like, I would totally do the same thing. Like, I would, you know, like type it into a quick search, just say, hey, who, tell me a little bit about this person. I think you can tell a lot about somebody by by what they, they post and, you know, what they post or what they don't post. I think you can, you can tell no, a little bit about them. You know, I'm, I'm involved in, in multiple charity boards and, uh, you know, of course, city governments and things of that nature. And so, I mean, I, I am on that hiring side of things and it is when we start looking at candidates, we start, I start on Facebook. That's the first place I go is, and I just take a scroll. I want to see, you know, are you posting pictures about, you know, Hey, I went out and got super high last weekend and don't remember a damn thing. Well, you know, that's not a good look. So, I mean, just that's, that's why I say about cleaning it up. When I was no, three or four months out of, you're getting ready to get out of school for my nurse practitioner, I went through Facebook. First thing I did on Facebook was I set it up so that people could not tag me in a photo or a post without my approval. Amen. That is, that is an important step. If you don't have that on your Facebook, get it. The other thing I did is, is like all the bar photos and stuff that, you know, they're fun at the time. But I went through and deleted them because I didn't want that persona when I'm moving forward as a professional. And I know I, for a while, was trying to kind of manage having two different social media accounts. One would, would be my more public facing and then one would be my more private facing. And, you know, that's hard to keep up. It's hard to keep up one social media, let alone two, especially as you get older. And, and yeah, but yeah. the reality is, is you are a whole person and, and, your interests, your whatever is going to come across in your social media. And, and you just want to make sure that that's okay. It, imagine if an employer was to look at your social media profile, what would they see? And, and is that the image you want to portray is, is who you are? Yep, no, I agree with you. I think that's a, a wonderful ending point. So, you know, if you're out there and, and, you know, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on Dr. Roxy? What are your thoughts on patient privacy and social media. What are, you know, what are your thoughts on social media in general within healthcare? You know, let us know. JSP at just on podcast.com. 
If you want to reach out to Kevin, Kevin, where, where can they find you again? Again, you can find me on all the social medias as, as we're talking at Art of Emergency Nursing. That's right. So. Facebook, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and then the podcast. Cool. Kevin, any parting thoughts uh, before we wrap it up? Boy, take a look at your profile and, and, and you know, be careful of what image you're portraying. Absolutely. On that note, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. And as Tom would say... Be safe out there. Practice swearing just to pass the time. Lately I see why I am alone. I caught some road bridge and I thought of you. And all the many times you say I should have known. Took a press so I could find my cheek. Find me. It's the best that I could do It's a shower but I slept all day It takes everything to live the life I choose Oh, what do you say? I screw up everything And oh, what did you prove? Except there's only more for me to lose Failure's not the same without you